Episode 150, you heard correct, 150 of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. Who would have thought we made it so long? I can't believe it has been that long. Uh, it must be a good... I actually worked it out. It must be about three and a half years because I think my, my youngest daughter was born uh, somewhere early on there. But I'm Rugby Reg. We're here for another great show. It is a very special episode. It is only fitting and appropriate that our fearless leader, Matt Gagger, is on the line with us. Matt, how are you, mate? Very well, mate. And um, yeah, 150, I could have sworn, it feels more like, you know, 260. It does feel like a lot, doesn't it? I think because we had to edit a lot of those, we had to listen to them twice. That's true, actually, yeah. Um, look, we have got a good show on today and a really significant moment in Australian rugby uh, today with the NRC, and we'll talk to that soon. But of course, also finals footy time, and we've got a special guest straight off the bat here. Uh, he's from the Brumbies, they've obviously qualified, they're playing this weekend. And it is uh, this year's uh, Wallaby debutant, one of them, but also man of the match for the first test match, Brumby Lock, Sam Carter. Welcome to the show, mate. Cheers, guys. Uh, G'day. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit overbroad, aren't you, mate? This is a very special show. It's... Well, we were just saying off air that, you know, it's, it's one thing to be a, be a Wallaby, but to be on the Green and Gold Rugby 150th, uh, you know, podcast is just, you know, it, it just keeps getting better, doesn't it, Sam? Yeah, definitely. I think it takes the cake, really. <laughs> it takes something. Yeah. Well, it has been a big, big year for you, Sam. Obviously, Grinning Gold Rugby number one fifty. But I mentioned it. You made your test debut. Let's go back there and just talk us through that whole period from when you found out you'd made the squad, um, some of that, I guess, preliminary Wallaby training camp, and then you found out about your first test. So break it down for us. When did you know you made the uh, the training squad? I guess. Um, we were actually in South Africa um, at the time, and I think it was uh, it was on the I don't know the the Tuesday or the Wednesday before it got announced. And um, yeah, Bernie called me and he goes, "Oh, have you got your phone on? Because uh, there's uh, there's something like someone's trying to call you." And, and then he then he just hung up. <laughs> I was like, well, "What's going on? What's going on?" Like, I, and then we're in a we're in a shopping mall in Joburg, and my phone wasn't working, so I was I was getting pretty nervous at that stage. So. <laughs> and then the finally, and then finally, the uh, the phone call came through from you, and you said, um, "Congratulations, you've been picked in the squad." And yeah, I was obviously over the moon, pretty stoked with the occasion. So I called called my parents. And, had like a $300 phone bill by the time I finished up my South African trip. <laughs> well, with, with the reduced match payments now with the Wallabies, you're probably still in it, are you? <laughs> yeah, I think I just go through. <laughs> well, that's great. And how was your dad? Obviously, the big story was your dad's a former Wallaby. You must be the first father-son Wallaby for some time. It's obviously a thrill for any parent, but... Um, a nice bit of significance there for your dad, Dave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think at one stage he was uh, probably probably more happy than I was. I mean, <laughs> my mum uh, my mum screamed pretty loud when I first like this. I 
I first got onto her instead of Dad, and she was uh, screaming on the phone. So yeah, it was pretty hard to get her off and actually speak to Dad to let him know. But, but yeah, they were genuinely both pretty happy. And then going into camp, then your first—it is your first Wallaby camp, is it, Sam? Would you, did you? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, first, first Wallaby camp. So, what was that like? Was there any noticeable difference from your Brumby experience? Uh, what was the experience like from your perspective? Uh, well, that that week in particular was probably the uh, the longest week of my life. Well, it definitely felt like the longest week of my life. I was only in there for one week, and then obviously I got injured yeah, after yeah. the first pitch test, but. Uh, the the big thing for me that made it a lot easier that there was uh, I think there was uh, nine and other Brumbies there and yeah. obviously in the Ford pack they had Stephen Moore and Scott Fardy which made it like a lot a lot more comfortable for me because I'm I'm used to hanging around with those blokes anyway. Yeah. Oh. And, and let's talk about that Test match. All the old cliched nerves and stuff in advance or. Were you able to focus just on your game somewhat? Did that make it easy, or was it a, a, a trying time for you? No, no, I was, I was pretty good, actually, during the week. Um, I mean, obviously, I was just focused on the training and then trying to learn all the moves in, in six days. And then I kind of, like, I was pretty relaxed all week until I actually got to the uh, the day, daily game. And I think just finished the speech from uh, Ewan at the hotel and we walked we were walking through the back entrance on the way to the bus to the stadium for the match, and it just kind of hit me. I was a bit, a bit overwhelmed for a bit, and then I started to come down towards kickoff. <laughs> and mate, yeah, I was just going to ask, mate, what what are your overriding memories? I don't know. Do you have any memories from the game? Is it all a, all a, a blur, or you know, what can you what can you remember from it? Uh, well, one of the one of the main things that sticks in my head. Um, Fards, Scott Fardy was telling me before the match, he goes, oh, mate, it's test match rugby. It's actually slower than super rugby. You only make, like, six tackles and hit the ball up a couple of times. I remember saying to him in the second half, I go, mate, this is, this is a joke. We made about 12 or 15 tackles. I'm exhausted. What's going on? <laughs> well, mate, look, that, that leads into a question, which is that, you know, one of the, um, I mean, one of the things you're known for is your work rate. And which is just which is fantastic, and I think everyone's talked about the injection. You know, you're known you're known for that at the Brumbies, and you brought you managed to bring that into like your first test at international level, which is you know with some bizarre stats, um, the number of tackles you managed to make and all that sort of stuff. Now I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like uh, I don't know, like I'm doing it down, but I'm not. Why can't everyone do it? I mean, you know, it's like such an important thing, and you you, you, know, you take away a man of the match. Peace gets off into an international match doing it. You know, what is it? What do you, what do you, you know, why can't everyone else do it? Uh, I don't think it's really any special secret. I mean, most of the blokes um, down at the Brumbies kind of rack up those kind of stats most week. I don't know if it's because we defend a lot or because, you know, we, we don't shut down the uh, the play after three phases. We just keep, keep going. But I don't, know, I, don't, I don't think it's anything special. But, but on the night, I just kind of completely just got stuck into the moment and just tried to do as much as I could. Yeah. So was, was there any special, I mean, did you go in there going, look, you know, this is what, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to make my own, or was it just, hey, you just turned up and played and like you said, you know, at halftime you're like, my God, how many tackles have I had to make? No, no, I didn't I didn't have anything in mind or anything. I just, I just knew with the kind of like the back line and the, the back rows and pretty much the whole team that we had that, all I had to do was just make my job right, and then 
the rest would take care of itself because I, I don't have to do anything special, with, especially when you've got like game breakers in the backs like Kurtley Beal and Israel Folau and pretty much the whole back line. So it, was, it made my job really easily, actually. Mm. Uh, one of the areas we uh, by no means got anywhere close to stats leader was the line-out in that test, Sam. I, I think if I recall correctly, Simo might have called himself every single line-out. Maybe, maybe there's one towards the end that he didn't. Now, was this to protect your ankle at the time, or was this just some sort of Queensland versus Brumby thing happening during the <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I was having a bit of trouble um, with the line-out through, throughout the week. I just, I don't know if he didn't, like... Um, didn't want to didn't want to use me or the space spaces on him, but it it seemed to work. So I guess hopefully hopefully if I get another test, uh, maybe it might throw me a few in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's let's move forward. A fantastic achievement, Sam. It was great to see you in Wallaby uh, colours and, and and as Matt said, do it so naturally um, and, and make such an impact in your first test. And uh, you're rewarded with one of the Man of the Match Awards, and it was a fantastic effort. And we genuinely look forward to seeing you back in Wallaby Colours very soon. But let's move forward now. It's a fantastic opportunity for the Brumbies now. It's it's, it's interesting the way the, uh, the professional rugby uh, calendar works in Australia now with this mid-season break. And now we've had three weeks post-test matches, albeit one of those has been a buy for the Brumbies. But you came back post-test. I think you had a, a big loss to the Tars in the buy, and then you've obviously... Beat in the force last week in the game you had to win to secure your spot, and now you're you're playing finals footy this weekend. Is that how you approach the season? Do you break down this back end of the season into an isolated sort of uh, mini season, so to speak? Um, it's, it's not obviously a goal at the uh, start of the season, but when you if we're in a good enough position uh, going into the break and then coming out of the break, um, we won't we kind of stumbled a bit just before that break on that South Africa trip but we knew if we uh, if we were in a good enough position we could definitely win enough matches to make the finals and uh, finals footy is just like a completely kind of different ball game because as long as you're there it, you're only as good as your last game really so that's that's the mentality we're taking into the next three weeks obviously. Yeah, just sorry, I should check in with yourself. So your injury is obviously back 100%. There's no ill effects of it now. You're playing, you're playing strongly. Yeah, no, I, I came back last week. So, yeah, I got through 100%. It's feeling good this week. So, yeah, I haven't had an issue with it. Excellent. All right, now tell us about, uh, I guess, the feeling this week in Canberra. It's obviously a massive push. Saturday night you guys uh, play uh, the Chiefs and, and, and it was obviously the biggest game of the year so far. What is the feeling like down there in Canberra this week? Well, the feeling's good. I mean, obviously, we've we've got to win this match, and we want to be in the next week of the finals. So we've we've approached it, and we've been training well this week. We know what we've got to do against the Chiefs to get that result. I mean, New Zealand teams are always tough to beat, especially this time of year, because they they come in ready red hot around about finals time. So we're we're just looking to get out there on Saturday and put a put a good result on. And, and what is special about the Chiefs, mate? I mean, you know, what sort of stuff? Don't, don't give me any trade secrets here, but, I mean, you know, what, what sort of a game do you take to the Chiefs? I, I was actually, you, you caught me on the hop there. I was trying to check out, have you guys played them this season yet? Yeah, you played them on the end up there. Oh, yes. So what's the kind of, what's the approach with them? Like, uh, what, what, do you, what do you reckon works? Oh, you've, just, you've just got to take it take it to them pretty much and try and, try and outwork them and, 
the big thing is for the Chiefs that you, you, you can't stop for a minute because unless you put an 80-minute 80, 80 performance on, they'll sneak, sneak around you. And we found that out last year in the grand final. And um, like we saw that this year when they were in South Africa and they managed to snag two draws. So they're definitely one of the most dangerous teams in the competition. You're just going to make sure we shut them down for 80 and put our best performance out. Mm. Yeah, not, not an easy thing to do with those buggers, is it? No. <laughs> at least you got them. At, at least you got them at home. And I've just looked it up. There it is, forty-one twenty-three. So no sweat. You guys should be able to just roll it over again. Right? <laughs> I guess that's the plan. <laughs> Easy week. And, and what about the Brumbies fans, Sam? Are they getting on board? What do we need to get to to get the Brumbies guys uh, excited and uh, out there and supporting you guys this week? Oh, the Bumbies fans, yeah. Well, we've, uh, there's actually been a promotion put forward this week by uh, the Bumbies uh, headquarters and management. And they're saying if we raise, if we get 20,000 worth of ticket sales, and they'll donate they'll $20,000 worth, worth to charity. So, uh, yeah, we've been trying to plug it all week and get as many people out at Canberra Stadium this Saturday night. Brilliant. And, and look, we strongly encourage it. It's only fitting for the team and how they're playing to get out there and support them, and hopefully we want an Aussie team in the finals as long as possible. Um, I want to project forward. I know you'll be focused on this week and, and whatever comes afterwards, but, mate, looking... I want to look 12 months. It's probably closer to probably 15 months down the track. Have you given yourself the opportunity to look ahead and, and think about what it might be like to be involved in the World Cup at all? Uh Oh, not really. I mean, obviously, um, when you when you're growing up, you want to you know, play at the highest level, and that's that's the World Cup and win a World Cup and stuff like that. But no, not at the moment. I'm kind of just focusing on what I need to do: a to get into the finals and win uh, three games in a row, and then that's pretty much just my focus at the moment. I haven't given much thought to that. No. Mm. Well, so I'm just looking back here at these. This game, this last match you had against the uh, the Chiefs, who you, you know when you dispatched them forty one twenty three, and uh, I'm looking at this, guess who topped the tackle count? Um, it, it wasn't Scott Fardy, it was uh, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Sam Carter in there. Mate, um, just drilling into the, what's your living details down there in Canberra? Are you uh, living with any of the guys from the from, from the club, or what, what's the situation? Yeah, I'm actually I'm living with living with Fards. We're um. <laughs> yeah, roomies. <laughs> We've been rooming together for three years now. <laughs> oh my god, what's it like? Is it? Is are you metrosexuals or is it um, what we might expect? <laughs> definitely, definitely metrosexuals. <laughs> we uh, we just we actually were living. There was three of us. It was Paddy McCabe and um, Fards and Phil and Trinus. Because Paddy moved out with his girlfriend. Yeah, it's really uh, up the place for a bit, so it's it's the new arrangement's going well. Oh, good one. And any and traditional roles you've filled in there? Who's the cook? Who's the cleaner? What's what's the inside word there, mate? <laughs> no, it's pretty. Uh, it's uh, pretty new age. We kind of just do do whatever's on each night. One will cook, one will clean. So we um yeah just take it in turns really there's no no dominant species in the house it's a beautiful relationship <laughs> that sounds like they can go forever I don't know why would you want to introduce women into that equation that just kind of <laughs> just breaks a beautiful thing yeah yeah 
Look, Sam, we've uh, loved having you on the show. We don't want to hold you up. It is a big week, and, and while we're having to provide some sort of distraction, we, mm. we want you to, to focus well and truly on Saturday night and, and pulling one up over the Chiefs once again. So mm. uh, thanks for your time, and, and we wish you all the very best of luck. Um, mm. But message to the Brumby fans is, is get out there, guys. Put on the winter woolies and, and cheer your loudest to support these Brumby boys home. Mm. And Sc- Scott might need a massage or a mung bean salad. <laughs> Or something <laughs> as well, so we don't we don't want to keep you from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. Cheers, guys. It was a pleasure being part of the 150th. No, thanks, mate. Good on you. Go well. Go well this weekend. Right. See you later. Bye. And there he was, Sam Carter from the Brumbies. Gags, great guy, bit of a character. Yeah, you can tell he's a nice guy. Yep. Um, we, we probably should have talked less. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got the impression he wasn't one to say stuff when he doesn't have to say stuff. Yeah, no, no, yeah, very nice guy. And, yeah, it's great to see him doing so well. So, um, yeah, let's hope we see more of it. Yeah, and it leads us on to uh, our review of, uh, you know, the last round of competition. And we're going to go straight to that first Brumbies game, which the Brumbies versus the Force. And Brumby Steve, you've joined us from Canberra. How are you going, mate? Pretty well, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, very well. Well, you must be thrilled. You guys made it. You had to defeat the force. There's a few, you know, connotations and variations there towards the air, but in the end, it was about you beating the force, and that's exactly what you did. And you did it quite bloody resoundingly. Uh, what was your interpretation of the match, mate? Yeah, well, it was a winner takes all after that earlier result on the Friday night there, and I think the Brumbies' finals experience may have got them over the line over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the force. You know, they were. On, sort of like this could be our big fairy tale. And it, it appeared they may have got caught in the headlights a bit. I'm not too sure, but um, the Brumbies just played their game and said we're not going to have it any other way pretty much and fairly resounding scoreline in the end. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I, I've got that same read to it, mate. Is you, you, the game you refer to is obviously the Chiefs got up over the Blues 11-8. Um, to eight. Um uh, but it was that Brumby's professionalism and that expertise. You could just see the clinicalness of their performance. And, you know, it's the big guys that stood up and, and none more so than Matty Tamua, who bagged a hat-trick and, and, you know, they weren't just backing up tries. Some of that was involved, but there was really smart, astute play from him and he, he, was, a, he was a fantastic performer on the night. Yeah, well, first hat-trick in 10 years for a Brumby's player, so it's hopefully good signs um, to come, uh, but I think the, you know, just the, the speed of the ball at the ruck, the Brumbies got just kept it, um, got the force on the back foot far too many times, and a lot of overlaps, and um, a lot of the play went from sideline to sideline, but obviously forward at a uh, slow pace. And um, when they hit the gas, the force just really left it. We had nothing left, and uh, it took to the second half of the force to really start playing any any game, and it was too late then for them. Yeah, yeah, and just running through the trial scores there. So Matty Tamu's got three, Jesse Mogg got one, uh, Henry Spite, uh, Spite, 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 remarkable. You know what a player, and I think that was one of the, the talking points of the game. Is geez, we can't wait to see this guy in a, a Wallaby jersey. He's a he's a, a fantastic talent, ain't he? Yeah. yeah, you give him like he runs in that five meter channel between the, the sideline and that five meter mark, and I've seen him have three players on him, and he just gets through them. I think it was the same again, again on Friday night up against Nick Cummins, and he just um, just gassed him straight through. 
yeah, incredible, incredible. And then uh, Joe Timone, Joe Timone, Joe Timani again came <laughs> on and scored again one of those great run rate tries. And it reminded me, you know, he had that purple patch of form for the Wallabies uh, last year and, and has sort of gone side unseen this year with a few injuries and whatnot. But another wonderful talent there, and and um, you know, fortunate to have him off the bench and and. It's interesting. I know I've been saying it all year with this Brumbies is they've lacked a bit of depth on the bench, but but now they have Tamani and McCabe and uh, Big Fotu and and the likes on the bench that are legitimately um, starting players, which is what you want at this end of the season. Yeah, there were some good good cameos there, um, and like you said, needs how the depth was very much tested against the Waratahs game where we had. 10 or 11 out, and most of them were wallabies, and it was good to get a whole bunch of those guys back, and it was the difference in the end on Friday. Matt, did you get a chance to, to look through this one at all? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I saw the game, and I just yeah, it was just really impressive. The Brumbies turned up, and really, you know, they knew what they needed to do, um, and I think the force were just kind of like still in a bit of a fairy tale that they were there. I, you know, it kind of felt like they... It looked like the force felt like they didn't really feel that was where they should be, if you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so when the Brumbies then started uh, turning it on, um, you know, they, they kind of fell away. I mean, I'm just looking at the stats, and actually they're remarkably even, except that the Brumbies let the force have the ball more. Um, and it was just what the Brumbies did with the ball, though. So, you know, the Brumbies only had 105 runs versus 123, yet they, man- you know, they made 540 metres versus the force's, you know, 400. So, you know, basically they let the force run at them, but um, were just so much more efficient, um, you know, in, in return. And that's just pretty much what it looked like the whole time, didn't it? Like, especially as you guys were talking about with Henry Spate, I mean, you know, he just seemed to be able to shrug people off at will. Um, you know, he had four line breaks, ran 110 metres. Um, he's quite, he's, that was quite a remarkable performance by him. Yeah, that opening, opening stanza of the game, uh, the force... Collected the ball off the race, off the kickoff, and they were hammering the Brumbies line for a, oh, a good three minutes, and mm. went nowhere with it. And that sort of set the tone for the night for the Brumbies' defence. And they went down the other end and almost scored pretty much straight away. So you know, obviously they had worked on that aspect of the game. Uh, they obviously let in a few late tries, but you know the, the result was pretty much in the bag by that stage. But just with the force, it was interesting that Albie Mathewson um, started on yeah. the bench. Um, when he came on in the second half, like he came on for Ian Pryor, who had a, a fractured cheekbone, and that was only after 10 minutes. So I'm surprised that Matthewson didn't come on earlier because he, he made the difference for that force uh, mini comeback, I guess you could call it, in that second half. Mm. Yeah, it's all 2020 hindsight. I'm with you. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't start in this game, which was all or nothing, acknowledging he was coming back through injury. But Albie's been tremendous for the force all year, and he's the type of guy you'd start from the from you know kickoff and, and would hope to really get the team, team sort mm-hmm. of going the right direction from the start of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the game was the game was really gone by then, wasn't it? I think it was. There were already four tries up or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, uh, you can't um, take anything away from the force because they played right till that last whistle, and if that ball right at the end where it was called held up. They could, had it got the fourth try then for them. Uh, that would have made it pretty interesting in the final wash-up of the table. From the ladder, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. God, don't tell me they would have made it. No, they wouldn't. They're still two points behind in the end. But, okay. Yeah. 
but just it just showed their season that they tried right till the very end and didn't give up as as easily as some people might have expected them. Yeah, well, yeah. let's let's not talk up the force too much because Gaffer refused to be on the podcast tonight. Um, <laughs> but he has promised us he'll be here next week to, for a full season review, um, <laughs> probably a little bit more comprehensible than the comprehensive than the Reds season review that's going on at the moment over the QAU. Um, but that's great. So. Awesome win by Brumbies, 47-25 over the force. They now take on the Chiefs on Saturday night, as we've mentioned. The Chiefs had that tight win over the Blues, um, which will be a fantastic game. We'll talk about that in a second. Next game of the round, uh, from an Australian perspective, was this uh, Rebels uh, taking on the Bulls over there in South Africa, and it was uh, shellacking in anyone's language. 40-7, again, tight at halftime, and I've talked about that a few times. It was only 12-7 at halftime um, with the Bulls up, obviously, but they ran away with it in the end. And, uh, you know, to be quite frank, there's not much more you can really add to that. It was uh, probably an appropriate end to the season for the Rebels. Yeah, I think I think everyone there will be happy that that season is over for, for the Rebels. Bring on the NRC, they say. Mm. And, the Reds, and the Reds players have signed. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Dom Shipley, unfortunately, yeah. But, yeah, they've got some things to look forward to. Um, look, just going through the next results, uh, significant Crusaders thrashing the Highlanders, 34-8. to 8. Um, That's significant because of, uh, you know, they're probably the one team the Waratahs are wary about. Their uh, Crusaders ended up finishing second on the ladder, so they're just behind the Waratahs there and are, are waiting until next week's semi-finals to figure out exactly who they'll play, um, whereas the Highlanders have to travel over to the Republic and they'll be taking on the Sharks who had a 34-10 win over the Stormers. So, uh, you know, very interesting machinations. And, and when you talk about the Brumbies running into a bit of form, um, uh, some important form in that last game, the Crusaders looked very good as well uh, in their final preliminary game of the season. Um, let's uh, run off the Lions and Cheetahs, get that out of the way. That was a 60-25 to meaningless game. Um, and we'll get on to this last game from uh, the round perspective was the Reds at Waratahs. I did my best to talk it up last week. I tried my hardest during the week on social media. But in the end, this was pretty much the result, I think most of us suspected, 34-3 uh, to 3 thrashing um, by the Waratahs over the Reds. Matt, what was your take? Yeah, I mean, what, what more to say? I mean, how just how comprehensive it was. Um, you know, it's surprising to see how close the, you know, the Reds didn't get as far as, you know, just not getting any points, um, you know, throughout the whole match. I'm actually trying to remember now. I mean, it's, it's, it's just turned into, I mean, you know, the, the Tars have started doing this week in, week out, haven't they? It was a similar sort of form we saw against the Highlanders. Um, it's hard to say there was anything that was, you know, that different. Um, a hell of a lot of ball in hand. So they almost ran double the number of meters um, as the Reds did. Um, they had, they managed to, they held on to more possession. So it was at 75 rucks and malls to like 57. Um, offloads are crazy again. Uh, 21 versus 10 for the Reds. Uh, I guess probably the thing that we've all talked about though was the, uh, lineouts. Um, we're, we're a real disaster. So the Reds managed to pick up six lineouts against the throw. Um, and I think that is a worry. I think Czech tried to laugh it off with a bit of a joke. Um, in the aftermatch saying it was kind of their plan to lure people into a false sense of security. Um, you know, I think that's something that just, you know, ha hasn't 
got better really has it over the whole season um and that i think can be that probably will be a bit of a worry against a, a better side um the other thing is with the reds is just you know you look at their turnovers you know literally they made 29 turnovers in a match which is just crazy just you know, so like, you know, most matches you only get 35, but, maybe 40, yeah. 40 minutes of play time and they're making a turnover every minute. Yeah, exactly. And I think this game typified the Reds for this season, unfortunately. I thought the, our pack stood up well and I thought um, Kevy Hall had his another excellent game, was, was very active, uh, very physical around the place. Uh, James Slipper again, Bo Robinson, I can't speak highly enough for Bo. Just the effort he puts in every week and I think he led the tackle count at least from a Reds perspective this week, but was just, you know, just raised the bar as to what we wanted uh, from our team. And, I, you know, you know, it, it's hard to say. That, you know, we're so good and we the set piece was very strong, but still, you know, the work at the ruck let us down. And, and even things like, you know, how much you talk about that possession, which is interesting, but that period where we had those back-to-back-to-back line-outs and then finally, uh, unfortunately, it was Kev who let one go and... and um, sort of let the pressure slide. That's really when we should be converting those points. But our backs just, just couldn't do it for us. And, you know, we, we obviously lost Lucas and Tapawai very, very early in the game. Um, so when you're bringing on uh, sort of Harris to fly up and you've got JJ Tualaga back there. and oh, JJ. <laughs> you know, he, it, what a remarkable game JJ had. JJ, I think I saw someone, ran for the most metres from any... Queensland player would have been on for half the game. More clean breaks, more defenders beating, beaten, more offloads than, than pretty much anyone. Maybe a few less offloads than Karebi, but missed tackles, drop ball um, was pretty enigmatic, shall we call it? Um, from JJ. Sounds like a full house. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Um, mm. And then obviously uh, young Sam Johnson in, in his second game came on too. So. I guess some of you can give some excuse to those Reds backs for looking so disjointed, but these guys are meant to be professional athletes and some of their catch and pass skills were very lacking and it was extremely frustrating watch. Um, mm. In saying that, I just do want to make mention of Scott Gowley, young halfback who made his run on debut. I thought he was excellent. He was obviously showed up a couple of times by Phipps um, with that little pressure at the back of the scrum there, but I thought he had an excellent game for someone so young and inexperienced. Um, but all in all, it was Waratahs for own three. You can't deny their class, considering, you know, they they lost players. Obviously, they Izzy um, had, a, had a rest, um, but they also lost Horn the day of the game. I think it was the day of the game, uh, with Crawford coming in to the wing. So it was um, it was a disrupted Waratah side, um, but they, they put it together. And again, it's the likes of, you know, Steve Hoyles was fantastic again, I thought. Um, Kurtley Beal, obviously outstanding, a couple of tries there. So it's all you know, I, good. I, I mean, I had Bill as my man of the match. Everything he t- touched was turning to gold on the night. Um, and I think he really, he almost kind of reveled, I think, in that idea that uh, Izzy wasn't there, so he knew he needed to stand up. Um, Steve Hoyles, you've got to say, I think he's putting himself into reckoning, isn't he? I mean, you know, with um, uh, what the Brumbies captain, uh, Ben Moen, so forgetting, forgetting his name already. Um, with him out of contention, you know, there's been that discussion about who's that big back row are sort of number eight, number six type thing, uh, person is cover. Um, Higgers had, had, people had assumed, but I mean, you know, he, he just hasn't been performing um, if you know, for, for, for quite a few months now, whereas Hoyles, you've got to say, you know, he had a, he had a really great game. Um, so I think that's an interesting question they've thrown out there. The, only, the other thing I just sort of say from this game, which it's easy to kind of just get used to it with the Tars, because 
well, sorry, let me put it another way. It's easy to get bedazzled by the attack, but their defense is, is just yeah, it's so, exactly. it's so solid. And it's not necessarily, it's a bit like the Reds' defense when it was really good um, over the last few years, which was not necessarily that they make every first up tackle, but if they miss one, there's not a, it's not a big problem. Um, there's so much scrambling in defense, people working so hard, that, that, that they're always covering. Um, and, I, and I think that's one of the, the things about the Tars. And what was interesting, actually, was to hear that they actually spend a lot more time training in defense. So I think it was on the Rugby Club, Rugby HQ, I think it's called now, um, last week with Paddy Ryan. And they were talking about the assistant coaches. And he was saying how Riff, uh, Alan Gaffney, had actually moved away now and wasn't doing as much work with the Tars and was more doing work with the under-20s. Oh, right. and, and, and that they'd brought in... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, with the the guy who took out Richard Hill for the against Nathan uh, Gray. Nathan Gray. Yep. Yeah, Nathan Gray. But Grazie had come in and they'd put a lot more emphasis on defence. And actually, they spend more time they spend more time practicing defence than they do attack, um, which is really interesting. And, and they do that not so much from a technical perspective, but you know that's the kind of the attitude they want to have, um, which is to be you know physical and aggressive. And you can be more physical and aggressive in defence. Um, so that was really interesting, I thought, and it's. You know, it's almost a little bit counterintuitive when you watch how well they do an attack, but maybe they feel, look, we've got those players. You can turn that on as long as we're dominating. Yeah, um, that's that's really interesting, Gags. I find that fascinating. I think you're right, and I think there's a bit of Randwick in there. They used to just, you know, attack, practice attack through playing touch footy and, and not showing if the Tars are going down that approach. And you're right, you've got your Kirtleys and your Foley's and your Falau's who, who uh, the, the natural attackers. But I think the other key to the Waratah success, and... I think I said it early on in that first try they scored, or that one of those tries they scored in that trial match, which we labelled the try of the season back then, was they just are clicking as a team. There's obviously a strong bond and unit within this organisation that is very important for a championship team. And I think that's as much as anything, they're enjoying each other's company. And I just, you know, they come in and support each other on the field and off. And I think that's a, an important part of how they go about their their work on the field as well. Well, that was another quote from Paddy Ryan's interview, which I thought was really telling. Um, was he said, "Oh, you know, it was great to be in with the Wallabies, but yeah, just couldn't get, couldn't wait to get back to be with the boys with the Tars." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> um, you know, I think it was all the Tars there anyway." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so I, th- I think that says said a hell of a lot. I mean, I think Bob wrote a really good article actually um, on on was it Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, and. Um, he was sort of saying, look, you know, people talk about the fitness of the Tars and say, oh, it's down, you know, because they ran up and down the, the steps at, um, yep. you know, Clavelli or whatever it is uh, so many times. But um, so which which steps is it, Steve? Could you? Could you? Could you? Could you? Yeah, it's it in the same part. It's on the yeah. south side of the bridge. I don't know, you know, it's all, <laughs> it all smears into one for me. But, um, you know, it's because they ran up and down those steps so many times. And clearly that's not the case because that was months ago now, right? Mm. And and he was sort of saying, look, the style of rugby they're playing is when people are playing that sort of rugby, it's uh, it's you have to be so fit, mm. you know, to be, to be in position to align and to defend and to do it with as much um, sort of vigor as they do. Um, that that's what gets you fit. And the thing is that it, when you're playing like that, it's so enjoyable that you don't kind of notice how hard you've got to work. Mm. Um, and so he's like, you know, that's, that's how they're kind of sustaining their fitness level is just through obviously training that way and playing that way. Um, and that's what's keeping them – because that's the thing you notice when you watch them play is you, they, they, they are – the amount of sort of work they put into teams in the first half, you can just see t- teams wilt. 
And even if they're within, so who was it? Was it the Highlanders a couple of weeks ago who were within, within two points, right? Um, yeah. at half time. Yeah. You just, you just felt confident watching the Tars come out that there was no way that the Highlanders were going to keep up with them in the second half and they didn't, you know, they just blew them apart. Yeah, um, just, sorry, like Gags, just on that, with that you're saying with them blowing away teams in the second half, just an interesting stat for you. The Waratahs have scored 21 tries in the final quarter of matches. So maybe it is that superior play, uh, or mm-hmm. fitness as you call it. Uh, but mm. they obviously are fairly confident. That they can wear teams down in that last twenty minutes. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. But um, yeah, and I mean, and, and that just you know, well, I'm, I'm I'm probably turning stomachs now. We're talking about the Tars so much, but I mean, I'll yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how dominant are those stats? I mean, it's a bit frightening actually because you kind of think, oh god, now it's you know, can it all go wrong in the last couple of matches? But you know, most uh, tries scored, most points scored, least points against, all this sort of stuff, all the offloads, all the rest. It's 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 kind of comedy stuff, actually, almost, when you look at those numbers, isn't it? It'd be interesting to go back and look at history, and I might do it for next week's um, podcast, or it'll be up on the forum tomorrow. I guess someone will pick this up, but what the record is for a points differential in the season, I mean, it's 209 by the Tars this season, which seems pretty bloody amazing. Like, yeah. It'd be good to go back through the record books back to 96 and see what is the record differential there for and against. But um, that have been great. Well, I mean, the one thing I saw, an interesting stat came out, which I uh, retweeted, which was that 13 out of 18 of the last winners of Super Rugby mm. um, finished with the best attack. Um, and only three out of 18, no, sorry, five out of 18 finished with the best defence. Yeah, right. And of those five that finished with the best defence, three also happened to have the best attack. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if it's that whole thing of you know, defence winning you championships isn't necessarily the case. Um, and anyway, so hopefully it means something. We've, well, we've been here before and it hasn't worked. So. I think I can speak on behalf of anything. I can't wait for next week's podcast when we actually get to talk about the Waratahs next game because <laughs> we've gone on and they don't even they get a break this week. Yeah. Oh yes. Don't worry about that. I've got more. To, I've got more where that came from. <laughs> I've been trying to wrap up for the last five minutes. Um, <laughs> great, great win for the Tars. Um, putting aside who they beat, but and that wraps us up. That's the the preliminary season over. The Waratahs obviously finishing on top of the log and quite comprehensively, seven points um, over the next place team, being the Crusaders, with the Sharks riding at that top three. Um, on 50 points, a, uh, a totally legitimate top three there. There's no uh, wild cards that should have been above them. Next down, the Brumbies finished up fourth there, so great result for them. They get to host a final this weekend, as we've said. Uh, the Chiefs finished fifth, and they obviously were taking on the Brumbies, and the Highlanders sixth, who will be travelling off to take the Sharks this weekend as well. So Crusaders and Waratahs get the week off um, as they focus on, on who they play the following week, which... Leads us straight to you, Steve. And the big one, how is Canberra feeling? Sam Carter told us that the aim is for 20,000 for this game. Um, what's the feeling down there? Do you reckon they'll get to 20 grand? Yeah, I hope they do. Um, this whole it's cold rubbish yeah. always comes out. And really, it's just a lame excuse. you just got to put a jumper on for an extra couple of hours and go out and support your team because if they want to go to all the way, this could be the only game they see of the final. So it's not like there is a second chance or a guaranteed second chance that they'll be playing at home. So man up, take your concrete and go out and support your team. They need it. Yeah, right. So this is this is the Brumbies' last home game of the season regardless, isn't it? I'd, I'd say it would be unless yeah. some bizarre sequence of events happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
All right, so talk us through it. The Brumbies, they're all injury-free and good to go? Uh, I think Other than the usual. What I've, yeah, Clyde Rathbone's going to be out with a, with a hamstring injury. Um, he's pretty much the only one from the starting side. Uh, also from the bench, J.P. Smith, the reserve yep. prop, um, did his medial ligament um, in one of his knees. Yep. Uh, so he's he's out for a couple of weeks. So for Rathbone, there's a bit of a choice there for Steve Larkin between Robbie Coleman and Joe Tamani. Um, they haven't really made a decision yet. There's a final, I think the tr- team will be announced on Thursday, so tomorrow. Yep. So we'll find out then who takes that spot in the starting side. And on the bench, uh, Reserve prop will be Alan Alalatoa. Yeah, right. Um, he's been in the EPS this year, so yeah. apparently he's pretty good. He's been playing in the in the twenties in recent years as well. So, and his brother Mike. Big brother played, made a debut versus the yeah, Reds on the weekend. Waratahs, yeah. Uh, yeah, for the Waratahs. So, um, good good pedigree there. Yeah, excellent. Well, that's great. And uh, as we sort of discovered the last time these two um, ran out against each other was in an Anzac uh, match, which the Brumbies. Ran away with quite handsomely. Yeah, that was a big win for them back in Anzac Day, 41-23, with a couple of late tries for the Chiefs there to make the score a bit more respectable for them. But obviously this time around, they've got a, a few big names back, in names like Aaron Cruden, probably Tanarao Latimer, and their halfback Tawera Kerbale. And the, the, yeah, they were missing their halves last time, and that really, really showed against them as well in that game where they were just dominated by Nick White and Matt Tamur in that game as well. Well, when it comes down to it, it's Cruden's their man, isn't it? I'll, you know, they're obviously a, a quality team, but if Cruden um, can step up and perform as we know he can, that's their best chance of, of taking away this game. Matt, what's your feeling on this one? Yeah, I want to say I think uh, the, the Brumbies have got a good chance on this one, actually. I mean, obviously, it's a home, which is great. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I think the Brumbies, even when, well, so, you know, when they're away and I thought the Chiefs are in better form last, you know, last year, they still managed to run them really, um, you know, really hard um, in the final. So I think the Brumbies, uh, yeah, they, they've, I think they've got to be the favourites. I also think they looked really good last week. They looked like they'd had enough. Uh, kind of rest, if you like, but you know we're fresh and and still ready to play. Um, they look really determined. Um, you know, we're, apart from Squeaky, where they've got their injuries, they've got good cover. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think it looks pretty good, and I think that kind of element of Jake Ball and the pressure that they can put on and sort of outwork the Chiefs, I think, works against those guys. Um, you know, and also just pinning them back and keeping them in the right territory of the field. Um, as long as they can do that well, obviously you just don't want to be the Chiefs aren't the sort of guys you just want to be handing pill back to the whole time. But if you can pin them down and just kind of make life hard for them, um, then you know the, the Chiefs don't, you know, they kind of get disinterested, don't they? So, and I think the Brumbies can be the team to do that when they're in their game. So yeah, my money will be on the Brumbies. Yeah, I'll be with you, mate. This is a, it's a it's a great Chiefs team. Let's not take anything away from that. They've got some some wonderful players there and Brady Italic and Liam Messam and the like. But um, I'm on the same as you. I think this Brumby team's looking very professional at this stage. I think you're right. They would have benefited from that that uh, Jake White influence this last few years. But Bernie and, and, and Laurie will be uh, will have provided a, a nice little bit of uh, finishing for them. So um, I'll be tipping the Brumbies for this one without a doubt. And Steve, I assume you'll be seeing seeing it the same way. Yeah, obviously a bit of hometown bias here, but um, yeah, it'll be good to win and against the uh, reigning champions again. So, uh, yeah, the Chiefs are a good team. They haven't 
you know, they've won it twice for a reason. So yep. it'd be good to um, end their season on a good note for us. Yep. And so the other game is the Sharks Highlanders over there in South Africa. Uh, what's our read on this one, Matt? What's your what's your feel? The Sharks obviously um, finished uh, the top of the South African log, and, and in fact, the the highest South African team from by some way, I think mm-hmm. thirteen points or something. But yeah. um, front away the South African team, and they they're taking on the Highlanders who um, suffered that uh, that loss last week uh, to the Crusaders. Yeah, I, I thought the Highlanders, you know, throughout most of that match and then definitely after it and just some body language I've seen since, I, they kind of looked like they knew that their season was done. Um, I think actually from the Tars game onwards, they kind of seemed to go, ah, oh, hang on, if this has come unstuck, it could come unstuck elsewhere. And then when it's gone against the Crusaders as well, and, you, you know, you, you know that if you get through, you're going to have to play either or the Tars, you know, or the, or the Crusaders. I kind of think, I don't know, I think mentally they're a bit shot. Um, actually, so um, I think going all the way over to, to Durban uh, to play against the Sharks, who seem to be kind of slowly, you know, getting their season back on track. Um, I think you got to, get, I think got to pick the Sharks. Don't put this turn in form from the Highlanders all the way down to the Waratahs. Don't forget they also, they also <laughs> lost the Reds there as well. So. Oh my God, it's even worse. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. It was a bit of a turning point. Or maybe that was the turning point. They said, oh, are we? What do we go on for? Yeah. But um, yeah, look, a massive effort for them to head over to, to South Africa and take on the Sharks. Steve, can, do you give them any chance? Well, they have beaten them over there already this season. So there's one... Positive for them, I guess. Yeah. They did manage to knock them off quite comprehensively. I think they held the Sharks scoreless in that game earlier this season, so that's one good thing. And obviously their last two games have been against the teams that have finished first and second, so I don't know, maybe that's playing them into some form. Who knows, but I guess we'll, we'll know on 4 o'clock on Sunday morning. Yeah, there you go, 34-18, and they beat them at Durban uh, earlier in the year. Um with uh, yeah, and, and kept him trialless as well. Well, that's how sharks play their footy. But uh, four tries to nil thrashing there. So we'll see what happens there. So what happens? So let's say uh, that the sharks win, which we'd expect, and the brumbies win. What happens next week? Do we know? Waratahs play brumbies. Brumbies, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it goes highest finisher plays highest um, lowest qualifier. So if say. Three and four win. One plays four. Yep. Waratahs versus Brumbies. And then Crusaders versus Sharks. So with all due respect, we wouldn't mind the Brumbies winning and possibly the Highlanders upsetting the Sharks. So would that way we would get a uh, Brumbies taking on the Crusaders and a Waratahs taking on the Highlanders, giving us hope for a waratah Brumby final? Yeah, but the Brumbies would have to go to Christchurch, where they haven't didn't fare too well this year. Come on. (laughs) All right. Well, look. Cross our fingers. Exactly. It's all ahead of us. We just want wins on the board by the Brumbies this week. That's all we're really worried about um, as we all jump on our respective bandwagons. Um, (laughs) But uh, that's it. Wraps up for Super Rugby. Guys, any other comment on Super Rugby finals before we move on? Um, Steve Walsh is refing the Sharks game and Craig Joubert is refing the Brumbies Chiefs game, so good luck to them all. Indeed. Um, look, just we'll wrap up, guys, but we can't go without commenting on the release today of the NRC draw. Um, it's mm. finally out, and also the announcement that Buildcorp will be the, the naming rights partner, which is fantastic. Great to have that support from um, any sort of corporation that wants to support Australian rugby at the moment. 
but it's it's pretty exciting, guys. I don't know if you've had a chance to look through it. Um, I'm pretty wrapped about the draw from as a Queensland fan because it gives me something else to focus on. Um, but yeah, it all kicks up on that kicks off on that Thursday, 21st of August, uh, when Brisbane City hosts the Sydney Stars at Ballymore, and that'll be a, a televised game. And I think uh, what are there? It must be five. Well, it must be all games are televised, or Thursday night games are televised. Um, the Fox have re- reduced, re- sort of revealed their draw at the moment, and they, I think they come up every team in the first five weeks or so, and there's some games still to be determined towards the end. But, uh, Steve, have you had a chance to look at the draw yet, mate? Not a great deal, but it, um, like you said, it's good to see that all teams will be on TV at some stage in the first couple of weeks, so there's no you know, allegations of bias or anything like that. So that that's good. Good to see a but, bit of exposure to all the sides. But it's only they're only televising one one game a week, right? Yeah, one game on yep. TV. I think they've got Thursday the, nights. Yeah, I think they've all because they're building in. I think they'll, they're going to do their ITM Cup, NRC, and then Rugby HQ. Mm. Or, or, so well, okay. Well, I've got the shits with that. I'm sorry. You want more? Uh, oh, one game a week on a Thursday? Are you joking? Yeah. I mean, the whole idea of this thing was to have us have people have rug, some rugby to watch on the weekend, right? Um, when there's nothing else on. You can get out um, and watch it, mate. Get to the game. Well, <laughs> well I will be, clearly. But I, but I can't get to all of them, Rich. No. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, th- that kind of gives me the shit. And, I, and I'll tell you what else I happen to know is that actually the ARU were, were keen to have more um, digitally streamed. Yeah, um, okay. I was curious not, about this. Yep. Not necessarily, obviously, by Fox, um, but, you know, to actually, you know, someone else to pay for it and set it up and, you know, just go and do it. And um, Fox had the say-so to say no and said no. They said no. Oh. So we'd r- rather not have it televised by someone else, um, you know, than have it at all. So, yeah, that, I mean, look, I guess there would be no NRC if Fox wasn't sticking a million bucks in. Um, so there's that side of things, but... Come on, you know, it's if, we're, if you're going to have the thing, then have it. Well, you know? it's interesting. They tweeted, someone tweeted today, a million bucks, and what are they doing? They're showing five games at the moment. There'll be another couple after that, probably nine games at the finals, but that's quite the investment for a uh, for nine games. Yeah, and it just, well, I don't, yeah, I kind of don't get it. I mean, Fox has got channels and channels showing AFL replays from the 80s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've, you've set something up, you've put money into it, yeah, just you know, show or stream it. For God's sake, yeah. you know, we're, you know, you don't even have to put it on on a channel these days. So uh, that that's kind of yeah, that's giving me the shits. I'll say because that's it feels half baked. You know, you're not really giving this thing a go. So there you go. All right, well that's all right. Thanks, Mr. Devil's Advocate. But look, I'm excited by it, and, and maybe more because I'll I'll get out to some of the games which I always enjoy getting to Ballymore. But some of the highlights for me, obviously, there's uh, back to Ballymore a few games, but. Things like, um, so the Queensland country will be playing at Bond University on the Gold Coast, so they'll be playing as a curtain raiser to the Argentina Test at Seabus Stadium um, on the Gold Coast. But they'll also be going up to uh, up to Townsville to play up there, um, which is awesome. At, uh, I think it's Mackay Park. Um, uh, and then you've got the likes of... Perth attacking their games. Sorry, it's Mike Carney Toyota Park at Townsville. Uh, Perth attacking their games, I think, to three different clubs. They're also playing in Adelaide, uh, which is awesome. Um, so, you know, this is legitimately getting around uh, to uh, out and about across Queens. Uh, sorry, across Australia. Um, even, I think, New South Wales country attacking their games to various Orange, I see, um, and a few other places like that. So, you know, on the scheme of things, not too bad. I hear what you're saying about one game a week. We'd all love to get more. 
um, from a content perspective. And it's, it'd, be, it'd be great to hear why they don't take more on, um, why, why they don't show more of the content's theirs to use. Why would they not use it? Mm. Well, I guess there's a thing of, well, you know, if you're going to show up matches, you've got to set up. But, you know, if people are saying, look, we, we will cover the cost of, this, of the streaming, just yeah. let us do it. Yeah. Um, then that's, and don't get me wrong, I'm not bitching about the NRC. I think it's fantastic, really happy. And we want to get along to matches. I'm just, uh, you know, I just, I, just, I just love to see, you know, have more of it out there so that more people can see it. So what's your team, um, Gaga? Have you picked a team yet? Oh, yeah, yes. Um, the North Harbour Rays, surely, because they're north of the half. <laughs> or Sydney Stars, mate. Um, actually, I've got, I've got to study that a little bit more, mate, before I commit. Yeah, I've got to study a little bit more there. It is, you know. And uh, I haven't seen the jerseys yet to see what matches my eyes. I can see stars. Um, stars. stars, you can see stars, stars in my eyes. There you go. Yeah, no, I, but I'm looking forward to it and get up there with the with the young fella and um, see some of the few, the stars of tomorrow. Exactly. The Kirtley uh, Bears and Ben Alexander's that were back in 2007. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of effort, yeah, what sort of, um, what it attracts. I hope, yeah, I, I hope it does well. And the other thing we've got on the site are the laws and, yeah. the, and the potential law variations. I think they're the things, we were just talking about this beforehand, they're, they're sort of the things that were getting mooted around before. Look, I, you must have caught me on a grumpy day because I'm going to bitch about this as well. <laughs> Um, look, I think the first. Uh, yeah, I can talk about the war of those. Yeah. Oh, oh happy place. <laughs> um, yeah. The the comment that's getting the most votes at the moment on this piece on the on the front page is basically saying the first line is I don't think they should change any laws. Um, not because they thought. And he says this is Luke Amazi, and he says not because I think the suggested laws are bad, but I think the players, fans, and officials will get confused when going back to the normal rugby rules in other levels. I mean, I'm not sure that they'd get confused and that we had some crazy laws in the last ones, right? Um, and people managed to live with those. I just think, you know, rugby's uniqueness is its uniqueness. Um, and, and actually, when I look down some of these law variations, you know, it's, 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 it, I can see it's trying to speed up the game. There's stuff like that you can actually, when you clear people out from a ruck, you can just keep clearing them out. I mean, there's nothing new there if you're playing against New Zealand. But... Um, you know, which I guess is the idea of taking people away from the contest and that sort of stuff. Uh, I, the more we talk about this sort of stuff, the more I kind of think, you know what, I, you know, I, 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 we don't want something, you know, we don't want something that's kind of watering down rugby too much. Um, you know, you want people to love rugby for what it is, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not completely sure about that. I, and I don't see in here, one of the things I thought was really interesting when we were, we did an interview with Ewan and Kafe, um, about when they were when they were talking about these things, and Ewan's thing was, you know, in France it's really clear whichever scrum has got dominance gets the penalty. You know, forget the technical bits. If you yeah. get dominance, you win, um, which makes it more of a spectacle, right? Because you can see who's got dominance and you expect a penalty. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm I don't see anything in here that talks about that. Um, so anyway, so there's a few things there. I don't know, if, but I know they had to go and take it to the. Um, IRB and get a blessing and all this sort of stuff. So it probably wasn't as easy as it sounded. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's see. The, the rules are still, laws are still to be um, finalised anyway. So we'll see what they come up with in the end. Um, look, some late breaking news that's just come through is that it's been confirmed that the final, uh, the 18th team in Super Rugby expansion, the expansion for 2016, will be down to uh, Singapore and Japan. Um, mm -hmm. They received a number of tenders, but they're the clear favourites. They now have until August to uh, submit their final bids. 
uh, which will be assessed on any number of you know the normal criteria commercial value infrastructure geographic location rugby readiness and ongoing sustainability so that's just come across you'll probably read more about it on the blog uh, site tomorrow you're on. all right episode 150 should we do anything more should we think back to great moments or anything i'm, I'm not that prepared as per usual which is probably, <laughs> probably pretty appropriate for a podcast such as this but um it's been a long time it has actually, you know, and um, you're right. I think it, I think it goes a long way back, mate. I think, I don't know. I, I think it might go back to like 2010, oh. is it maybe? Yeah. Well, I just, my daughter turns four in November, and if you remember, that was the gag. Timsy took over last night um, because oh, I was off with my wife as we delivered our baby, and that was episode. Gosh, I reckon that was episode within the first half dozen. So that was 2010. Mm. Um, so here we good go. Way to, just, good, just pulled yeah. up the first one. November, good way to remember birthdays, Amy. Exactly. <laughs> November 4, 2010. Gaga podcast number one, Virgins. They're all on our blog site if people would like to go back for some strange reason and look at them. But, uh, there yeah, you're sounding young and unjaded. <laughs> some, I think there's some gems from the World Cup in 2011, yes, I believe. There's, there's, a, there's a must there. <laughs> go back and have a look at that. That one got a lot of comments. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, got a yes. Got a lot of uh, got a lot of feedback on that one. <laughs> I, should, I don't remember much of that podcast for some reason. Brilliant uh, stuff. Look, look, uh, look. We hope you enjoy the show, everyone. The reason we did it in the first place was so many people requested us just to get on and record ourselves having a chat. We've tried to you know professionalise it a bit more, but we haven't lost that very amateur tinge to it. Um, we've brought on any number of guests, and we should say, look, we appreciate all the support we do get and have gotten in the past from the likes of Australian rugby very early on. Link was a big supporter of ours. Um, obviously, Queensland rugby, uh, ACT, uh, the Rebels and the Force. And dare I say, even New South Wales rugby have done, I don't know, the right thing in the past, uh, if not this year. But uh, thanks to everyone who's been on the show. Um, big achievement for us, Gags, for giving us the direction early on. And um, let's look forward to this weekend's uh, rugby brumbies down there in Canberra. And if you're a Canberrian, get out there and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. come along. Come along. There's about 10,000 tickets sold. And we need more. <laughs> Closing words, Matt, our, our leader. Oh, um, it's been emotional. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. See ya. Right there, right there.